Good evening. Today on the Shared Interest Podcast, we will explore the topic of extraterrestrial life. That's right. UFOs, outer space. It's really a question of what do you find to be reasonable conclusions based on lack of evidence? There's not enough tangible information to come to a conclusion, I don't believe, one way or the other. But that's not going to stop me from making definitive statements about E.T. And I'm not alone. In fact, I brought in my closest friend on the planet. He's also my brother. I think you're going to enjoy his take as we dive into the world of the extraterrestrial. UFOs are out there, man. We're not going to go over the edge and be conspiracy wackos. We're just going to have a frank discussion whether the planet is being visited by extraterrestrials and whether humans are being abducted so they can be dissected like some type of interstellar frogs. Don't need a long intro for this one. It speaks for itself. It's the Shared Interest Podcast. Topic, UFOs. All right, welcome to the show, the love of my life, my dear friend, and also my brother, Junior. How are you doing this morning? What's up, baby? How you living? Living quite well, actually. Thank you. So I definitely wanted to do a podcast on the topic of unidentified flying objects, UFO to the layperson. I couldn't think of anyone that I would enjoy this conversation more with than you. So let's start with a quick baseline. Um, tell me real quick, do you believe in intelligent life somewhere else in the universe. Absolutely. Unequivocally. Okay. So now take that to the next step. Does this existing intelligent life form visit Earth on the reg? <sighs> That's a toughie. Um, yeah, I think they have. Elaborate on that? <laughs> well, um, there's many different levels to, to explain. Um, I do believe there's been abductions, and I think there is very solid, credible stories from non-crackpot, Bigfoot-believing people, okay. right? Um, so, you know, whether it's fire in the sky, which is, uh, is an incredibly viable story backed up by scientific fact from deposits they have found in the trees and where the abduction took place. Now, do I think the 400-pound fat cat lady that lives in the trailer park Perhaps not. <laughs> right. Well, that's a hugely important distinction is to say that by saying, yes, I believe that there is intelligent life in the universe and yes, I believe it has or does visit Earth is not the same thing as saying that I, I believe in Loch Ness Monster. You're not signing up for every single conspiracy. There's fact checking method of is it more likely than not? And that's really what I ultimately come down to. And um, further kind of supporting that where you're saying not crackpot, I don't know if you're familiar with the author Ben Mesrich. I am not. He's a really compelling author. He's written a bunch of books on, you know, nuanced things like this. And he just released a book called The 37th Parallel, The Secret Truth Behind UFOs. Without giving too many spoilers for those who haven't read the book and would like to, he started off with this theory that, hey, there's a UFO highway, allegedly, that runs along the 37th Parallel. And he was very much a skeptic going into it. By the end of the book, he's like, you know what, man? There's just something to this. There's some type of thing. And that kind of begins always with Roswell. 
So for anyone who's not quite familiar, the Roswell UFO incident refers to an event that happened in 1947 where the U.S. Air Force recovered something at a farm ranch type unit in New Mexico at a place called Roswell. And initially they had a press release, literally a press release from the U.S. Air Force to say we captured a flying saucer. And I mean, that's kind of so 1940s. Who the fuck uses the term flying saucer? I don't know. We were we were so dumb in the 40s, weren't we? <laughs> a little too much sci-fi channel. Anyway, the U.S. Air Force ends up changing their story and saying that it was a weather balloon. Here's the biggest foundational block for me, at least, is since that time, since the late 40s, the exponential growth in the, the technology that we have, I firmly believe is, you know, what is more likely than not something got recovered and really bright people have been reverse engineering it. And even though I have no facts on that, I don't think anyone could convince me differently. Talk about that. If you can a little bit off the top of your head, does human ingenuity and our ability engineering and uh, technology wise, does it just make these giant leaps? I mean, how do we go from, you know, the middle ages where we're hitting each other with maces to, okay, now horses, we ride around that. And okay, we invent a steam engine, and then boom, Wi-Fi, microwave, go to space. I, it doesn't add up for me. Where are you at? It's Occam's razor. To me, it's almost you can correlate it to something as simple as baseball. There's a, a natural act that takes place with baseball. They start taking amphetamines. They start taking human growth hormone. They start taking steroids. Guys start shattering records that have been established since the 1900s. That's a really great analogy. That's a great analogy. And they're doing it at, at times in their lives. 37-year-old Roger Clemens, whatever, 40-year-old yeah. Barry Bonds. Great analogy. So you have this unnatural phenomenon for, for basically a decade, two decades, that all of these things that have never been seen or done start happening. Well, if, if you look at the overall arch of technology, you know, industrial time period has it, its place in all these different things take place, and you see this natural progression. And then all of a sudden, starting really in, in 60s, 70s, when they're perhaps understanding this technology that was found in the late 40s, all kinds, everything from DNA, uh, microtechnology, propulsion technology, how to manipulate airwaves uh, for microwaves, for cell phones, all of this technology, um, and to me, it has a lot to do with the micro technology, absolutely, uh, and really a span of a few decades. What normally had taken centuries, you know, or a, a sesquicentennial type of time period, all of a sudden is shortened to the decade. So it, it seems to be an unnatural progression uh, in an expeditious time frame that all of these things have come out. But it's really, to me, the 60s, late 60s, the 70s, and then particularly the 80s and 90s. Now, there is something that was also introduced during that time that was unnatural and had never been there before, which is computers. Right, and that's a great transition because 
let's face it, um, just for some quick history for everyone who's not spaz like I am. So the element silicon is the eighth most common element in the universe by mass. It's everywhere. It was discovered roughly 1820s. So there is some controversy about when was silicon first discovered, but it wasn't harvested or harnessed as a metalloid for something that could be the base product for computing until after Roswell. So it's almost as if in the part of the reverse engineering process, previously it had been around for 100 years and nobody knew what the fuck to do with it. I am not a periodic geek and cannot speak to it. <laughs> Trust me, it's very lonely. It's very lonely out here in the making periodic table <laughs> element <laughs> jokes. <laughs> Trust me, I know I'm on the island, dude. It's all right. So to me, uh, I'm not a huge conspiracy theorist and, and, and whatnot, but um, since we have ventured out into space, there's been very credible accounts by astronauts since uh, the, the computing age and, and our technology has gotten uh, better to see further and capture more information. There's been more and more credible sightings. Uh, so just, just very simply, as we have explored further, we found more. And right. previously, we didn't have the ability, you know, we didn't look up and say, oh, there's Ra, the sun god. And <laughs> we've become a little bit more civilized, I guess. And a little more sophisticated rather than, you know, going, invisible sky god must have sent it. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, we have gotten a little bit more scientific. So I also, I'm not a real big believer that the aliens help build pyramids. And I'm not that conspiracy theorist. The whole pyramid thing is, and what they believed were gods. I think again, you're, you're talking about centuries of time that took place. That night, the pyramid went up in three days. Right, of course. So I started down the conspiracy path, and with, of course, the Art Bell show from the High Desert and the Kingdom of Nye. And yes. I don't know if you remember, but he used to bring on Richard Hoagland, who was a NASA scientist, and Richard Hoagland was the face on Mars guy, and he was the one who talked about how Sidonia region of Mars had these structures that were exactly similar to the pyramids in Giza. And that turned out to be a bunch of fucking horse shit, because when Mars rover went up there, and we had HD technology and it was no longer this this blurry image from an orbiting satellite when we were on the ground there is no face on mars and richard hoagland's story that nasa was covering stuff up was just complete bullshit but i don't think it was bullshit in a profiteering way and i think that's an important distinction so i think richard hoagland truly believed that there was something on mars and the government would hide it now let me pose you this question and i think i know what the answer is going to be do you believe that within human nature if someone were to come across a discovery like a flying saucer, would they try to you know, be transparent and share the discovery with the world? Or would they try to hoard it for themselves so they could gain some type of military technology or profit advantage? I think it has less to do with the individual and has to do more with the powers at play. Okay. Although the individual may or may not want to be philanthropic with their discovery. Governments, authorities, powers that be wouldn't allow for that to take place anyway. You know, we as a, as a human and species, you know, science is, is really based upon a belief in science fiction until it's actually proved. So whether it was the dark side of the moon has, you know, jiggly wiggly creatures on it or there's a face on Mars or, or any of that crap. Um, so if anything was, was found, uh, A, 
students who find it and their aptitude to understand what they have found. Typically, I, I wouldn't believe a intact, functional, space-traveling machine. <laughs> Thank you for not saying flying saucer there. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I mean, is it more likely that they just, you know, ran out of gas and, you know, landed softly? Or if something happened, that it would be in garbled pieces of, of trash that anybody would even understand right. what they saw in the first place is potentially unlikely. And if they did find something that was from semblance, it would be reported to authorities and as technology is monitored at every level. Right. That, yeah, I think that the authorities would take care of it. So I don't know. An individual with a philanthropic, what you say, world, uh, probably not. It would probably be taken from them and they'd be told it was something else. Yeah, and that's a great point because you don't know what you don't know. And I think the Manhattan Project is probably the best example of this. So again, for anyone who's not familiar, Manhattan Project was the code name for the R&D that produced the first nuclear weapons. And of the thousands and thousands of scientists, engineers, civilians that worked on that project, literally only a handful, maybe a dozen, actually knew what they were doing. So the powers that be, as you say, there's an easy way for them to compartmentalize. So you're not asking hundreds of people to participate in a conspiracy because that would never work. But you don't know what you don't know. And if your segment of a particular research and development thing is very narrow, to go to one of my favorite movies of all time, Real Genius, they didn't know that the laser was going to be used to assassinate <laughs> foreign leaders. Only Kent. Kent. You can't park that on campus, you know. <laughs> to transition real quick... The Phoenix Lights was one of the most famous, probably, uh, sightings, if you will. It even got to the point where Governor Fife Symington came out and did a press conference where he mocked all UFO people and stuff. You get used to that. I, I obviously, I believe, by the reasonable standard of what is more likely than not, I believe in extraterrestrial life. I believe the planet gets visited. But uh, being called a kook because of that, it's it's a little insulting. Well, you got to remember that Fife, Fife retracted his statements post uh, completely and is a full-blown supporter. That I did not know that. Alien yeah, he completed afterwards, after he was out of office, he completely retracted the story and said that he absolutely confirms and believes that that was a alien uh, vessel of some sort oh, that had God. nothing to do. Fucking arrogant. I did not know that. So he walked back his comments, figures. The one thing I, I do know for a fact. Although he came out in the alien suit. <laughs> yes, he did. He mocked it relentlessly. And I will. You know, what? he comes from a long line of fucko governors from that goddamn state. Ev Meekum and his savings and loans. Fife Symington, Jan Brewer. Fuck all those people. So sorry. I, a little passionate there about corruption in government. But to get us back on the UFO path, the Phoenix Lights incident. I think is probably much more indicative of a special works, a skunk works project, well, the R&D for the advanced weapons of the United States, the whole Hangar 18, Area 51, all of that stuff. So if they're testing shit out over the desert, I think that you probably will see some strange, bizarro stuff. One of the things you said at the top that I wanted to get back to is because it struck a chord with me because I'm not sure I'm down with the whole abduction thing i have seen that fire in the sky movie and it's very compelling i was previously unaware that they actually had trace elements in the trees and stuff yeah i can't recall that there's a i can't remember the chemical uh, a residue of a magnetic pulsing and they found it on the ground and they found it in the trees 
nowhere else in the area. Right. Totally unnatural to the environment. It's just all of a sudden it's yeah. there. Yeah. It also affects the, the plant growth and, and other items. So, you know, it's not very scientifically. They came afterwards because the story was so credible. Um, it wasn't just the guy that saw it. Um, it was a whole group of individuals that saw the, the lights and what appeared to be a craft. It was just the one kind of dipshit that ran towards it while everybody else <laughs> ran away from it. Uh, but yeah, they found actual trace elements. So anytime that there's science that backs up, um, you know, he was just a blue collar working class guy, right. um, not looking for fame or glory or anything else. But um, in fact, has been mocked and ridiculed and life changed since. Sure. But yeah, the whole, the whole abduction so that they can study our anatomy and physiology seems a bit archaic. Doesn't it though? And that's where it's like there. I go back to the you know, is it more likely than not if you have the technology, if you have propulsion technology that can move you through space and or time uh, and allow you to visit other planets? Are you really going to start picking up the indigenous creatures and and hacking them apart? Like we, I mean, not not unlike a freshman might dissect a frog in biology. I mean, come on. I don't know that do, that part doesn't line up to me. There's different parts to it. I, I think it's easy in in our mind that if a civilization uh, were so advanced that they wouldn't uh, go to barbarism of abducting people, but at the same time, just because somebody built a cool space engine right. doesn't necessarily mean that they're not doesn't necessarily mean that they're you know not curious about this, that, or the other. Um, it could be. I, I mean, I could see. I guess potential, but after you abduct one or two Homo sapiens, do you need to abduct thousands? No, over good hundreds point. Of years that that seems to be more unlikely to me. Is not that they didn't do it a couple of times, but why would they be checking generation after generation after generation? Right, that seems a bit odd. But I do, okay, that's a good point, and I appreciate that. It probably is a false equivalence that I'm drawing to say if X then why? So if you have this technology, then you do not have this curiosity. So that's probably, that's that's a very astute correction. I appreciate that. But why would you need thousands of victims right. instead of, I don't know, one or two? I mean, I, I, unless, I, I guess hypothetically, how many different people are coming to see us? Okay, that's a good point as well. Is there so much life form that's out there? Space highway galaxies, you know, the galaxy highway, right. that they're just stopping off at Earth and being like, well, here's a habitable planet with, you know, people that have, that can think and build stuff and, and do minor things, uh, kill each other and blow stuff up. So let's go check out them. And maybe it's that there's so many different life forms, not just one that's okay. out there, but tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. So by that nature, galaxy is infinite and so on and so forth. So maybe there's so many different that they're just stopping off and be like, oh, here's 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 something to play with. Right. And they would have to be confused. If they came down here and they saw JJ Watt and then they saw you and I, they'd be like, Well, we gotta take one of each of these. <laughs> but I mean it, I think it's naive to think because I mean, obviously to talk about species visiting us. Why is it just the one with the big head and big black eyes? coming to see it why isn't it uh, a ton right. and why isn't it that i mean they could be infant they could be incredibly small you want to talk about micro technology maybe it wasn't a flying saucer that we project that this is as 
spaceship that I could fit in. But with these other creatures, it seemed to be much easier to survive and do different things if I was one inch tall and functioning, you know, bacteria will live forever because it's a very basic, basic organism. That's a great point. The, the human projectionists who always, you know, yeah. think of things as, you know, it must have a human form. It must be compatible to our biology. And I'm not the biggest Star Wars guy, but, you know, when they go to that bar scene and there's all those crazy different life forms, there's like a hammerhead shark or something like that. But it was kind of a George Lucas thing to try and expand the horizon that, hey, it might might not all be, you know, these human forms, but and to your point, scientifically, it's probably nanotech is absolutely as relevant and, and probably as um, common as any of the idea that there's a giant species, there's probably infinite smallness, infinite largeness, and all of that. It's one of the other things that has always struck me as weird. It kind of flips that red flag of conspiracy is why is every scientific authority on the subject, say that any alien life form must have water. Why it is H2O right. build, building block of a creature? And, and it said over and over, well, there can be no habitants of life in this area because it's not in the life zone. Well, no, that's the human, very frail, <laughs> frail human life form. That's a great point. It's a, you know to to try and put parameters around what the life zone is is just a little arrogant. Why do they all agree on that? That, that water is the building block. And even most of the sci-fi going uh, back many, many years has to do with, oh, they're here for our resources, which is our water, because we're, we're so bountiful in water. Yeah, I don't know. There seems to be that reoccurring theme. Yeah, and they, they would have to have some great desalination process because all that water, and if they're human-based, they can't do shit with it because it's loaded with salt. I mean, just even beyond, why do all of the leading expert scientists always say, you know, in life zone, there's no water, it's in, in at, you know, can't live there. But why is water the common factor? It just it, So that makes me, again, that makes the conspiracy theorist flag go up just a little bit of okay, why is it that you're all on the same playbook? Because it just plays to the human psyche again. Oh, that's a ship I could fit into. You know, that's, oh, okay, I have to have water, right? Uh, so it just, I don't know, it seems a bit odd or at best arrogant. It, it really is. All right. I know that your time is a little bit short here this morning, so let me wrap up some final thoughts. I did, for anyone who's not familiar, one of the most compelling cases is the 2006 O'Hara Airport sighting, which hundreds, I mean, there were so many witnesses, so many different people had seen it. It didn't get a ton of media play. And um, speaking of conspiracists, I don't want to be a mainstream media conspiracist. The mainstream media is a, a collection of thousands of individuals and the idea that they all have a collective thought pattern and they're trying to, you know, shift conversation or manipulate opinion one way or the other is just a little strange to me. I mean, theoretically, a lot of them are aligned. So if you want to say, hey, there's a you know, left wing biased in media. Of course there is because most of the people who comprise the industry lean that way. So the idea that everyone's trying to, you know, push UFO things one way or the other, that seems a little bit foreign to me, but the FAA, the federal aviation administration, they denied at first that they had any information at all on the 
O sighting. The good people at the Chicago Tribune were doing an investigative report and through FOIA, the Freedom of Information, they had to release some of the ATC air traffic control communications to comply with that. And they uncovered a call by a United Airlines supervisor to an FAA manager in the tower that was concerning the sighting. So once again, the cover-up always worse than the crime. If there's no sighting, if there's no object, if there's no nothing, why the fuck does the FAA go out of their way to to hide and, and to misrepresent what happened? To them to flatly deny and say, nope, we had nothing. And then they fight the FOIA request. The trip has to go essentially through the legal process to get them to release what are public communications. And then as soon as they get them, voila, there's the United Supervisor calling the FAA going, dude, there's something up here and it's not ours. It's on raid. We don't know what it is. Why wouldn't they just say, hey, man, there was something creepy up there and we don't know what it was. So don't freak out over it. There's probably a logical explanation. We just don't have it right now. The, the only thing that's curious to me is this is not 1947. This is, you know, uh, 2006. 2006. Yes. Well, look, with, with cameras everywhere, recording events, with everybody on their cell phones, as it was reported, you know, by the flight crew uh, and everything. Why is there not a single image of the event. There's the voice chatter that was recorded. There's the firsthand, you know, collects. But I mean, you can't have a fight at a high school without 15 phones recording. Right. Nobody has come out and said that people have, you know, taken the footage or this or that. But it's a little weird that there's not one single picture of the event. However, I'm going to trust a flight crew, a pilot, the flight tower, and all the logs as pretty much fact. Um, that it it happened and that there is something unexplained. And that's really where I come out. And that's a great way to kind of wrap it up because all you're really doing once again is is looking for a standard of reasonability. Is it more likely than not that when a group of people see something in the sky that they actually see it to your point and a very good point in, in modern technology where everyone's carrying around a device that's a video recorder or a Having a smartphone on you, it gives you the ability to capture essentially everything. And most people, at least in American culture, are fully geared to try and capture as much video and go viral. So not only do they have the tool, they have the motivation to try and capture something. And yet we don't see any definitive video or picture evidence. So that's, that is a huge strike against the, hey, is this more likely than not? Well, if it is likely, why hasn't it shown up yet? my final thought before i ask for yours is fuck yeah i think we're getting visited by ufos even if it's just because i want a great story and i want to believe it and i'm guiding you know i'm kind of pushing myself against logic to do it I think that there's enough throughout history. And again, the biggest one of all being that technology doesn't increase. Are you falling down the stairs or something, bro? Sorry, I'm getting in. Fishing pole. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you're okay. Sorry, but... I, just, I was just abducted. So, anyway, uh, I, I think the number one piece of evidence for the likelihood of it is that it doesn't seem to line up for me that technology would advance as exponentially as it did basically right around the time that we believe we, you know, 
the Roswell incident, there was something discovered, and then all of a sudden, leaps and bounds. The number one strike against, I think, to your point, is for about 10 years now, we've all been walking around with these video capturing devices, and no one's found anything definitive. I agree. Uh, to sum it up, I, I do think that it is myopic to think that we are the only life form um, and that how we're considered a life form and how we live is how other aliens or, or things live. I absolutely believe we were visited. I don't necessarily believe in ancient aliens, you know, uh, weirdo stories. I don't believe in a ton of the abduction stories, but I, I think there certainly have been some. And I think, it, again, it's not even, it's not like a Bigfoot exists and there's not been a bone, a skull, a something found out there that, you know what I mean? There's, I, I think it's absolutely impossible for the, for us not to have been visited at different points, but I just don't think they took over the civilization and built the pyramid. The, just as if we were in maybe a, another hundred years flying outside of our galaxy and visiting a terrestrial place, that we'd have curiosity. We wouldn't want to make contact. We, I mean, especially if we monitored this these life forms that are blowing each other up, killing each other. Um, I mean, we're clearly not ready for, you know, to bring our chaos and anarchy throughout the galaxy. <laughs> so, <laughs> point. Um, I don't think there would be a ongoing dialogue um, with, you know, higher level beings and whatnot. But <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's absolutely fact that we've been visited. I think it's fact that there's aliens, I just, I don't think that they they have interacted with our society. Fair enough. All right, bud. Thanks for carving out some time. I know that you're anxious to get off on a fishing trip, so I I love you so much, man. I love you too, man. Be good. See ya.